0: Well, good morning. Don't you want to thank him one more time? Wasn't that so good? What a blessing. I would invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number two, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number two. And we are going to be in this text of Scripture yet one more Sunday after this together. And there might be a, a little bit of a reprise in January on looking at the story of the wise men. But... In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, I'll begin reading there, and we will begin our message as uh, we follow the scripture this morning. The Word of our God says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler which... I want to ask you this morning what represents the center for you. What is the center for your life, the center of all things? Uh, our main statement this morning is there is one star which orients everything. There's one star which orients everything, and if you know it, it's the title of the day's message. It is the North Star. Now, that's its nickname. What's the actual name of the North Star? Somebody tell me. Polaris is the North Star. Well, why is it called the North Star? Well, just a little bit of information as we begin. Um, Visible to the naked eye, there are 9,096 stars, which you can see in the night sky, Just from the naked eye, without a telescope and binoculars or something like that. 9,096 stars. Now, we know that there are billions and billions and billions and trillions and beyond that many stars. Goodness, there's they estimate somewhere between six and twenty trillion galaxies. And each galaxy contains billions and billions and billions of stars. And we're just in one galaxy called the Milky Way. But one particular star, which is um here in our galaxy is called polaris it's called the north star and the reason it is called the north star it is because it lies in the sky due north over the northern axis axis of the planet earth so therefore in the sky polaris never moves uh, you may be into stargazing, it may be your thing, it may not be your thing. I, um, after Judah died, I really got into looking at the stars. Um, I, I had a little while, uh, when I was in high school, I was into it. Uh, uh, and then you, know, you get a girlfriend and get into other things and stuff like that, and you can't be looking at the stars. But incidentally, in the 11th grade, as a gift for my high school sweetheart, um, she named a star after me as a gift in the 11th grade. There is a star up there in the sky you have to have binoculars to see it but there is a star in the sky named matt powell she used my shortened name instead of matthew that's okay i'm not bitter about it but um but anyway i, I knew we had to get married at that point naming stars after me and stuff like that but there's a star up there if you go to the international star registry and put in matt powell it'll, it'll show you and you can go find my star because my high school girlfriend that i married by the way named a star after me but there's one star up there that doesn't move and that is Polaris in fact you've probably seen these pictures and maybe you didn't even know what you were looking at but it's a picture of the night sky and there's a star in the middle and there's a swirl all around the star well what that is is a long exposure shot from a camera of the north star Because the North Star doesn't move at night, and then everything else spins around the North Star. Everything in the night sky, including the moon, moves, except for the North Star. Sailors use this for years. Um, uh, Travelers use this. You can use this. You learn to identify it. The North Star is found on the handle of the Little Dipper, Uh, but... Anyway, once you can learn to identify the North Star, you can always have a way to orient yourself at night. It's not the brightest star in the sky, but it's the star that doesn't move. And what I want to talk to you about is the center, the center. You know, one more word about the North Star. It can only be seen in the northern hemisphere. Well, technically you can see it in the southern hemisphere, one degree south of the equator. But once you go further than one degree south of the equator, the curvature of the Earth doesn't allow you to see the North Star anymore. And interestingly enough, there is no South Star. There is not a star which corresponds to the South Pole. The uh, southern axis of the Earth just points to empty space for the naked eye. But isn't that interesting that the North Star, where the overwhelming population lives in the northern hemisphere of the earth, um, that there is a star throughout all of history which has been there. And to me it just screams that there's a creator. Of all those stars out there, and the fact that there's only 9,096 of them that are actually visible, one is fixed in the sky so that we can orient all of our travels off of one unmoving star. Now, in the Bible, stars were representative of not just objects in the sky, but they they pointed to heavenly realities. And this whole idea, the wise men see the star when it rises in the east, and they understand that something has happened. Heaven has come to earth. So, principle number one as we look at this today. First is this. The wise men came to witness Jesus. Remember, there's one star which orients everything, and Polaris is the north star. My contention today and conviction is that Jesus is truly the center of all things. And this is what we see in the story of the wise men. Uh, The wise men came to witness Jesus. Now, we don't typically use that word witness. So I'm going to, we would just say, for instance, I went and saw a a movie with friends this week. I wouldn't say, hey, I went and witnessed the movie. No, I went and saw the movie. But to witness something is to do more than just see it. It's to be there for an event, something that transpires and takes place. For instance, if I were to ask you, where were you when you witnessed the turn of the millennium? How many of you remember where you were the night of January 1st, the year 2000? Or December 31st, 1999? I just about everybody. We, we know that. How many of you all remember where you were when you witnessed September 11th, 2001? We remember those things. Um, also, do you remember where you were and what it was like when your children were born, when you graduated high school, when you got married? It was more than just seeing something. It was witnessing. It was an event that took place. It was something that was very special. And the wise men came to witness what was going to take place. So, interesting, traditionally the church has taught that it took 12 days the wise men to travel from the east this is church tradition 12 days that it took for the wise men to travel from the east the feast of epiphany on the liturgical calendar it should be commemorates not commentaries commemorates this tradition now uh, we know that it did not take 12 days but we'll get more into that there are many things that we celebrate as christians that We don't really know the date uh, of a lot of stuff, but we just have things on the calendar. Uh, Jesus was almost most certainly not born on December the 25th. There are some good arguments for another date that he might have been born. Uh, I may get into that sometime, but uh, not today. But most likely, it was not December the 25th. But nonetheless, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate what took place. But traditionally, the church had taught it took 12 days for the wise men to travel to bethlehem traveling from the east in the feast of epiphany and this is where we get the song the 12 days of christmas uh so just to have a curiosity 12 days of christmas um how many gifts are given in the song the 12 days of christmas Does right now Oh, I see her all, all kinds. Well, first of all, let's go through them. Let's, uh, uh, um, okay. All right, I'm, I'm not going to sing this by myself. Y'all don't leave me hanging. All right, let's, let's start at the top. All right. So 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers. I hear only female voices, and I see no male mouths moving. Come on now. 11 pipers piping, 10 lords leaping, 9 ladies dancing because they were Methodist. Eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying. Y'all are wonderful. All right. And a-four-tubes and a-four-tubes. Man, listen it, y'all. Y'all are good. Okay, so how many was that? What's the number? What now? 336. Three hundred well, she is on to something. I can't see who that is in the balcony. Oh, Parker. You're on to something, Parker. So, okay. There is, uh, you know, when you sing the song, you sing it over and over and over again. You start with one, and then you sing one and two, and then... One, two, and three, and you sing it all over again until you get to 12. And when you add them all up, it's 364 gifts for Christmas. We've been getting gypped at Christmas, (laughs) all right? (laughs) Because according to the 12 days of Christmas, we should be getting a lot more at Christmas time, right? Or at least giving a lot more. But (laughs) anyway... Traditionally, that all comes from the 12 days that celebrate the journey of the wise men to Bethlehem. However, the journey would have taken much longer than 12 days. They weren't traveling in SUVs or off-road vehicles. They were traveling most likely on camels or mules or potentially even by foot. Uh, The journey, at the very least, would have taken, according to people smarter than me, at least two months, and at most of a more moderate pace were taken two years. That's traveling from Babylon or Persia. Um, so this is a very long journey. Now, we show up to witness special events. Some of us are about to travel at Christmas time. Some of us do a yearly pilgrimage to go see family. Of The day after Christmas, my family will go to East Tennessee to see my grandmother and my parents and my aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, some of you travel. Some of you will get on a plane and travel to a, a faraway place to visit family or to get away from family, whatever it is that you do at Christmas, but we, we travel a great distance. Let me, let me ask you something, though. When's the last time that you took two months to travel anyway? Or two years. It's hard for us to get our minds around that. Like is anybody worth seeing. If it's going to take two years to get there. It's hard for us as Americans. To get our minds around a two month. Or potentially up to a two year journey. That these men were willing to travel. To go and see the birth this baby boy born in Bethlehem. But they came to witness Jesus. Now you say, wait a second. How in the world, if it took them two years, how in the world did they know? I mean, the star wouldn't have appeared in the sky two years before. Remember, these are magi. These men know the night sky like the back of their head. They have watched and they have kept a tradition of watching the sky at that point for over a thousand years. And they knew when stars would appear. They were waiting for this moment, for these stars to appear in the sky. And when they knew they were coming, they probably said, All right, it's on the way. Let's go. And they showed up. It's hard for us to get our minds around somebody traveling two months or even two years to come and witness anything, but they showed up to witness the birth of Jesus. But not only did the wise men come to witness Jesus, the wise men came to honor Jesus with gifts. Honor Jesus with gifts. If you look in the scripture, notice it says in verse number 11, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold frankincense and myrrh. Some argue that there's significance to the gifts. Others argue that there's not. For our purposes today, the emphasis is that the treasures are valuable. Why is it that they are honoring Jesus with gifts? Well, let's just think of a few things about Jesus first. And if they're acknowledging that this is the Messiah, the one that had been prophesied from the old testament by daniel and we looked at balaam back in november and if they knew that somehow this was the anointed one from heaven and they worshiped him by the way um clearly they know that this is some kind of heavenly child let me ask you something do you struggle to buy christmas presents for certain people i mean sometimes i mean we all i was like well they just have everything they want I mean, how do you get something for somebody who has everything, right? Well, let's think about Jesus. Jesus made everything. Jesus made everything. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Jesus made it all. How, How do you give a gift to Jesus? If he made everything. But not only does the Bible teach us that Jesus made everything. the Bible teaches us that Jesus owns everything. How do, you, how do you give a gift to someone who already owns whatever you're going to give? Have you ever thought about that? It's just kind of like when you're the dad each year that you realize that all these gifts that your children have given you, you've paid for, it, right? Jesus owns everything. Listen to Psalm 24 and verse number 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. He made everything. He owns everything. So why do we give Jesus a gift? Why did they bring Jesus a gift? And I think here's the answer. We give to Jesus to show him honor in the ancient world when you would go to a royal court you would frequently bring a gift a peace offering an honorary offering and it's not because you thought that the ruler so to speak needed a little help there's a story in the old testament it's very beautiful it's about the queen of sheba and she came bringing massive amounts of gold to king solomon Now, he was already the richest man in the world. Why is it that she was bringing all of this gold to King Solomon? Why? Not because he needed it, but rather to honor who he was. Friends, when we give to Jesus, just like the wise men of old, we are giving and showing him honor. Listen to Psalm 116, verses 12 through 14. I love this verse. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I want you to think about that before we read the next verse. Do you ever stop and think about how good God has been to you? Now, I know we can stop and think about our problems and how we feel like God hasn't come through for us. I mean, goodness, I I have those things in my life, too. But it's always so overwhelming and so much greater than all of our troubles. When we think about the kindness that God has shown us through all of our days and our years. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his peoples. This is the psalmist saying, listen, not only am I going to praise his name, but I'm actually going to give of my resources in the presence of the peoples, to offer honor to God. Not only can we give to Jesus to show him honor, looking at Psalm 116, also Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Now we know Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, to trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. But if you just skip down a few verses, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, how is it? How is it that you can give? Why is it that we give to God? Why is it that we offer gifts to Jesus? What were the wise men actually giving to? Jesus owns everything. Jesus doesn't need our money. Friends, it's a means of showing honor. It's a means of showing honor. And what we actually do materially with what we have is a means of showing two things to God. Number one, we're acknowledging that he made everything and he owns everything. By giving back a portion of what we have to God, whether it's this year to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, whether it's like my wife and I do on a bi-weekly basis when we give our offering to the church here we're not giving to the church. We're giving to God. We're showing him on. We're acknowledging all the benefits that God has done in my life. And we're just saying, God, thank you. Thank you. We're acknowledging you as provider. And we're so thankful for all you've done for us. This is what the wise men did. The wise men came to honor Jesus with gifts. And now they certainly worshiped, and we're about to talk with that, talk about that. They used their words but sometimes words can be cheap they not only used their words their words were demonstrated as true when they gave and it cost them not only the wise men honor Jesus with gifts the wise men came to worship Jesus the wise men came to worship Jesus look again down in verse number 11 And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. But back up in verse number two. Verse number two, what it says here, it says, Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They told Herod why they had come. Listen, they said, for we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They knew exactly why they were coming from the east. Now, while the word worship here can mean as little as paying homage and respect, Matthew, the writer of this gospel, makes it clear the posture of the wise men is more than just respect. These men are bowing down. This is the same word that is used later in Matthew when Jesus calms the storm and the disciples worship him because they see him as God. So while the word can mean as little as to pay homage and respect, Matthew makes it clear the posture of the wise men is more than respect. Also, the wise men identified themselves as worshipers. I love this about this part of the story, that as they came to Jerusalem, standing before the all-powerful King Herod, they were not ashamed to say, we're here for one reason, to worship jesus not ashamed they identified as worshipers so the wise men identified themselves as worshipers and friends it comes to this is that we worship we worship now you say wait you know you know i kind of worship in my own way and stuff like that well true that worship at times can be very personal but these men Demonstrated not just through their giving, but their posture. The word worship literally means to kneel in reverence. To get down on your knees and kneel in reverence and pay homage. These men, with all of their prestige, with all of their power, were not too proud to worship jesus real men bow the knee and give praise and worship to jesus which brings me to this final thing today the final thing which is this is the wise men did not come to make jesus the center of their lives you know we often talk about that say listen are you willing to make jesus the center of your life And that's not entirely bad, because we want Jesus to be the center of our lives. We think about, well, you know what, I've got all these priorities in my life, and what's the center? How do I put Jesus first? But remember, this message is about the North Star. No one would say, you know what, I think I'm going to adopt the North Star as my North Star. That's just, I just kind of feel that. No, the North Star is going to be the North Star, whether you want to adopt it or not. The North Star is always going to be North. Friends, the Bible teaches us this. Jesus is the center of all things whether we choose to make him the center of our lives or not. He is the center of all things. The wise men did not come to make Jesus the center of their lives. They came to acknowledge Jesus as the center of all things. Listen to Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. As Paul The apostle is thinking about Jesus. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Friends, he is the center of it all. He is the center of it all. The question for us today is that are we willing to acknowledge that with our lives? Now, it starts with an acknowledgement of who we are. You know, For many of us, have you ever heard the statement, man, they just think the world revolves around them? I guarantee you, at least somebody, one person in your life, has thought that about you. People have thought it about me. I think we have all been guilty at some point of believing and at least acting like the world revolves around us. And the first part of acknowledging Jesus as our North Star, the unchanging center, is realizing, listen, I'm not the center of the universe. It's Jesus. The world revolves around him. The first part is being willing to say it, to say it with our mouth, that we've acknowledged it with our minds and we can actually admit it and say, you know what? It's not me, God. It's you. It's not me, Jesus. It's you. It's not my life. It's your life. It's not my will. It's your will. Okay, that's the starting point, being able to acknowledge it and then being able to say it. But then growing out from that acknowledgement is action, where we demonstrate it with our lives. The wise men went on a two-month to two-year journey, said goodbye to everything else, because Jesus truly is the center of all. Now, God has not called us to go on a two-year traveling journey to follow a star. But He has called us to follow Jesus right where we are. And if we acknowledge it here and we acknowledge it here, it's going to be acknowledged through the wise men in our giving. It's going to be acknowledged in what we do with our mouth and our words when we come to worship. All those external things, whether it be giving or worship, it is just an acknowledgement and an outworking of what God truly has done on the inside. So let what God has done in here have its way out this Christmas. And if God's not done that yet, won't you give your heart this Christmas to Jesus? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you being the center of all things still thought of me. Lord, long before Andrea named a star after me, my name was written on your hands. And it's true of every person in this room. Lord, I pray that we could just take a moment this morning. In fact, all across this room, right where you are, just in the quietness of your heart, I want you to just say this to God Lord, it's not about me. It's not about me. Now say this second thing. Lord, it's all about you. And then I want you to say a prayer. Lord, how do you want me to show and demonstrate with my life that it's all about you? And God will show you in his good time. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you care about us oh so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.